0: I always say I'm excited for my guests, but this time I'm not lying. <laughs> Usually I'm lying. I have. Uh, <laughs> I'm old, but he's an old friend. He's not old. Chris Sullivan, how How's it you going? doing? I'm excited to be here too, man. Yeah, man, it's been a while. I think I think I've bugged you almost
1: more than anybody. You were never bugging me. I wanted to do it. It's just things kept piling up, and then the and then
0: Baby Bear arrived. And yeah. Yeah, you're like so busy. So you, <sighs> so if you don't know Chris Sullivan, which If you don't, you will, soon, as the world domination continues. Um, uh, I've known Chris for a long time. Currently, he's on a a massive show, probably one of the biggest network shows that's come out in the past five, ten years. It's holding on, yeah. This Is Us, which... um, I play Toby. Play Toby, Mm -hmm. which everyone loves. You must be a fan favorite.
1: It works out. They give me all the all the funny shit to say. It's great, right? Yeah, you don't have to carry the show. Everyone, once in a while, I get some dramatic stuff. Yeah, yeah And yeah. then everybody else carries a show, and then I come in with a dick joke, <laughs> <laughs> a joke about uh, farts and poop. And
0: are you serious? Uh,
1: kind of. I mean, I'm I'm joking, <laughs> but it's uh, it's not uh, it's not
0: too far from it's the not Because qu- they need something to counterbalance the heaviness of the show. I imagine yeah. as well. Yeah, you're just a naturally funny guy, so. They've the yeah the
1: writers the writers are are very talented. Dan Fogelman for writing
0: such a for such a tearjerker is, yeah. is a funny dude. And if so. you haven't if you don't watch This Is Us, it's such a great show. And I have to say, uh, I haven't watched all the episodes. I I've probably watched like five or six. Yeah. It's so great. But the pilot episode has got to be one of the best episodes of TV I've ever seen. In my yeah,
1: life. when we all when we all got that script, we all read it, and, and it was like, oh, this is. Yeah. This is the best episode of television I've ever read. Yeah, and and of course they it played when it they played, filmed and it they and it. Uh, yeah.
0: and we knew we might be onto something. And I was one of those idiots who was like, "You can't smoke in a hospital, <laughs> not to ruin it." If you seen it, oh, and then oh I feel like a I fucking see. asshole.
1: No, that was all of our our exact same response. Because especially when you're reading it, yeah, yeah, yeah. Especially when you're reading it. Um, but yeah, it, they've then the writers managed to keep being able to even five seasons in keep pulling little moves like that yeah back and forth through the
0: timelines that so you uh, never keep, know what to expect oh right. so they're, they're messing with time in the same way so you yeah like you like that's they great.
1: still are kind of like once in a while about once or twice a season they'll throw one of those curveballs in there yeah that's kind of mind-blowing for the audience yeah keep them keep them guessing and
0: what season are you on right now five five, five. we're in the middle of five. so i know chris because um sully yeah so everyone calls you Sully now yeah. Sully sells. <laughs> Uh We did a we did a play on Broadway together Called Lombardi Directed by That was my, my Broadway debut That was yours or was? It wasn't But No you had done you' had done, done a small part Something before Yeah You know um, In 2010 yeah, 2010 2010 And uh, you were a Chicago guy mm-hmm. Chicago You went to school for acting there In Chicago? I, I
1: went to school here in LA At Loyola Marymount Okay. And then had
0: been living in Chicago
1: since 2005, yeah. doing theater there. Doing theater there. And, and one of the company managers of a show I was in knew Laura Stanzik, the lady oh, who cast us in right, yeah. Lombardi. She's like, you know, if you're looking for football-sized, football-player-sized <laughs> actors, you should see this guy, Chris Sullivan. And Laura was like, well, we've, uh, we've already... Had our first round, but we're having callbacks on Monday. So if he wants to fly himself out here, oh, so you flew yourself out to New York? I borrowed four hundred dollars from my mom wow. to, to buy a plane because I bought the plane ticket on Friday and got the and got the sides to the script on Friday and had no money. It didn't have enough money to buy a, a plane ticket three days in advance. Three days in advance, yeah. I borrowed four hundred bucks from my 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 parents and flew out to the callbacks with oh wow with uh, with Tommy. And that yeah. where was that in
0: Manhattan? It was in some sort of... It's some office building. Some office building? Some
1: empty office.
0: So it was Tommy Kale, the yeah. writer, probably a reader, and that was it? A or? reader, and that in was Laura. it, yeah, yeah, yeah. One audition? One audition. Yeah, Tommy Kale, who, I don't know, to this day, he's probably one of the best people I've worked with. You know <laughs> he, what I mean? His ability to direct, I've, I've tried to describe it to
1: people because I can't come up with, I don't know a, a different word for a good director other than an excellent manipulator. <laughs> and he knows how to talk to people and yeah. he knows how to get what he wants, but he'll talk to you differently than he'll talk to me. Then he'll yes. talk to Judith Light. Then he'll yes. talk to Keith Knobs. Yeah. And I and I watched him do it one one day after rehearsal where all six of us were lined up and he essentially just, he also was able to boil down all of his notes to the one note he could give you. That would give him everything he wanted yeah and he went out down the line and gave each one of us one note and he gave it to us all differently and I was just astounded but yeah Tommy Kale everyone well maybe you don't know but he's the director of Hamilton, Hamilton yeah and, and, uh, Fossey, on and Fossey And did And uh, did that Grease Live that, yeah. was, uh, that was really popular. And I'm sure he's like
0: eight things pending right now. Yeah. He's a, he's a, he's a genius. Yeah. And also, you know, I'm, I'm a stand comic, so Tommy would always, I would always try to <laughs> barb with Tommy. <laughs> Fat chance. He's wicked smart. He's so fast. Yeah. He was like Zoro, He'd eviscerate me walk away. was like... Wait, my guts. <laughs> Leave you holding the punchline.
2: Yeah. No, 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 wait, I have a, I have a punchline. <laughs> come back. He, you
1: notice, did you ever, when we socialized, he would like show up, and again, it was like Zorro. He'd like swinging on a rope. He's like, where the fuck did you come from? He'd drop a couple of barbs, and you'd turn around, and he'd be gone. <laughs> he'd be gone. He'd be gone. <laughs> it was <amazing>. Like that.
0: <laughs> like yeah. Kaiser Soze. Yeah. I think one of the last times I saw him was after I did Bronx Bombers. And he was talking to me. He's like, "How he like, he liked my performance for Mickey Mantle," and he's being. I was like, that was so nice." He goes, "Thurman Munson. That's another. That's another issue." And then he like walked away, and I was like, "God damn it! You win again, Kale." So um, so I got some Sullivan stories here. Uh, when we. So we got Cassins play Lombardi, which was a big deal for all mm-hmm. for all of us yeah. at that time. Yeah. Rob Riley, yeah, huge. You and me were the three kind of football players. By the way, you were the only one that was football player size. <laughs> you guys were football player sized.
1: <laughs> no, we were all not the right size for the part we were playing. <laughs> That's true. Because my in real life, my dude was like short. Jim Taylor was yeah. shorter than I was, and, and Bill Horning, your guy, was bigger like six, than you were. Six three or something. Yeah. And the guy, Rob, uh, Dave Robinson, that Riley was playing, was a monster.
0: Yeah, he was a monster. And uh, Rob Riley is now on Dynasty, living in Atlanta. Very Living cool. in the life. Seems very happy. Um, so one of the things you do when you get in the cash, you're like, let's go hang out. Yeah. Let's make sure we're friends and we like each other. I remember we went out to, uh, we just went out drinking. Yeah, <laughs> And uh, you're very good at drinking. So I, I used to be. <laughs> you used to be. Are you I, sober? I quit, yeah. You quit, 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 quit. Quit, quit, quit. Four years ago.
1: Wow. Was yeah. it just like, I'm going to quit? Yeah. Yeah. yeah it was so like, it wasn't like a program like, thing. You walk uh, up in a zoo. I am working, you're... I am working program. Okay. I definitely yeah. am working a program. Um, but it was like I had uh, in in my, you know, 36 years, I'd had more than my share and it was time to let other people
0: <laughs> you know, in pass the baton on the on the the, the liquid curve. Pass the handle. Yeah. That's amazing. So it wasn't yeah. by the way, and this is LA, you know it is. Yeah. Like AA, there's nothing Right. The second A means nothing. No. Everyone's the A. So, uh, and I've had so many people talk about being programmed, different things like that. So, yeah. whatever you're comfortable with. But uh, I do find that a lot of people either there's a, just a conscious decision, mm-hmm. or something happened. They woke up in yeah. Thailand and without a kidney or something. <laughs> so that wasn't it for you. You were just like you've it, always been that guy. You're it, just a pretty it like. Was,
1: it was just. A, it was
0: just. It was diminishing returns, man. It was just yeah. like
1: uh, my my health was going down, my strength was going down, my yeah. f- physical everything was going down, and I just wanted to refocus my life. And there was kind of no better time than a change of location. You know, that's, that's when I moved from New York to here, to L. A. And, and you didn't replace it like I did with weed. <laughs> no, no, ice cream. <laughs> ice cream.
0: <laughs> well, that's nothing. You've also. I mean, you must be 30 pounds slimmer than you were during Lombardi. Yeah, yeah, Yeah. probably. You look great. So um, the story I was going to say is we would go out drinking and you were just always like, real good Garris, everyone loved you. And I remember we were talking about comedy and I mentioned Patton Oswald did this bit about uh, working with a magician Uh and how the magician was like, he was like an old Tom Waits song, like, and the old magician and I did like some shitty Tom Waits impersonation (laughs) and then you launched into like the most spot on Tom Waits I've ever fucking heard in my life and I went the
2: smart money's on Harlem. <laughs> the moon is in the street.
1: And I, was yeah, like- <laughs> I mean, I was smoking and drinking enough to be Tom Waits. That was part of my part of my, uh, you know, drinking and smoking career was was the romanticized version of Tom Waits. There was a dive bar in Chicago. Sure. I used to go line up a shot of whiskey and a beer and have a cigarette and and uh, and and put Tom Waits on the jukebox and romanticize, yeah. read some. Shitty paperback.
0: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and I can also see why it makes you're like a big guy. Uh, people they don't know you; they might be scared by you, and then it just feeds into like I'm a gregarious, fun party guy. Yeah, my size my size
1: has always gotten me into trouble in bars because I'm a tar- I instantly become a target when I walk in. Oh, I can so, be the opposite. Uh, there's always somebody who needs has to prove something (laughs) and they're going to, you know, it's like when you go to prison and you pick the biggest guy and you're like, (laughs) you stab him, you're going to be fine. (laughs) Yeah. yeah. And, and also I was so loud and boisterous, like you're talking about that eventually people would just be, want me to shut the fuck up. (laughs) (laughs) We need to go shut that guy up. Um, but then the, the, hopefully the, the good natured, uh, uh, person underneath all of that would would get me out of trouble <laughs> yeah yeah yeah.
0: never been in a fight oh really yeah yeah I was about to say I, I can't imagine a lot of people would want to pick a fight with no, you
1: no never punched anyone never been punched happy
0: for it yeah yeah that's yeah. good i am almost still train- being choked out by you but <laughs> have, you, have you still <laughs> trained jujitsu at all um you know no you're a commodity to a network right now so you got to be careful in no but what, what
1: was what was what really happened was so I guess the last time we saw each other we went and we rolled we rolled yeah which would have been like a year and a half ago, two years ago. Yeah. Um, and then we did it a couple of times. And I sprained both of these two fingers mm. uh, because I didn't know what I was doing. <laughs> and uh, and it took like a year and a half. This finger still like clicks. interesting. <laughs> and so I had like, I was like, I'll give it some time. I'll give it some time just to heal because I don't want to hurt it anymore. And then I just fell off. Yeah. I want to get back into it. some there's something there's something highly um emotional and spiritual about jujitsu. Yeah. That scares me. Sure. Um that in in the same way all contact sports used to scare me as a kid. Mm-hmm. Like I didn't find competition in it. I got mad. Yeah. Yeah. Like it it unleashed the wrong kind of aggression. Yeah. And it's the same with that when someone is in In my limited experience, my brain knows that this person's not trying to kill me, but my, my body, body is like someone's trying It's try like me someone's going. trying to kill you, bro. yeah, yeah, <laughs> someone is trying to choke
2: you <laughs> and kill you.
1: yeah, um and it's interesting to try and like uh, manage that, yeah, like doing self-therapy. And,
2: and
0: coming back to your breath. It. Yeah,
1: exactly. While someone is trying to kill
0: you, quote unquote. And knowing that you can actually relax when they're trying to choke you and there are just certain right. weird things you can do to right. stop it. Right. And yeah, I've never gotten to that point, it's, obviously. It's, it's a lesson in constant humiliation for me and humility. Yeah. So so I think that's great. But part of the reason I brought the Tom Waits thing is, you, you know, so right away I was like, wow, this guy is fucking all sorts of talented. Oh, that's nice. Uh, and I've always been amazed by all, by all your talents uh, as an actor, as a singer. Uh, I remember the first time we went into karaoke. Because yeah. <laughs> if you're drinking... Because I'm terrible. That was another you, thing. I, but if you're I, drinking... I, was, I heard you song. I'm, I'm not going to fucking sing. <laughs> <laughs> this guy, he's fucking... goddamn his voice. And you were like, if people were doing poorly, you'd kind of like sort of give them a harmony in the background to help them. <laughs> it's like, wow, this guy knows his shit. And then, th- th- more surprises, you were... Going to maybe be a professional tennis player, right?
1: Yeah. When I so when I went to LMU to study theater, I went on a on a scholarship for tennis. So oh, wow. from age ten to age nineteen, I was training. You know, five six hours a day um, playing on on the junior California circuit, um, and college was really like the crossroads. Like, okay, are you gonna this are, is going to be your life. Are, now. are you going to double down and, and, and play? Listen, you want to be a professional athlete or do you want to be a professional actor? <laughs> yeah, they both have the exact same percentage yeah. of of viability. But um,
0: was there a moment in the tennis where you said, "Ah, eh, fuck it"?
1: Yeah, yeah. No the the coach the coach at my university at the time was this. I don't. I, I, slacker like 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 a classic pot smoking slacker like could have must have been like five years older than we were (laughs) and like he gave me a real hard time my whole freshman year i at the time didn't drink or smoke at all anything um and he was constantly on my on my case and by the end of that school year he had he had just wronged me in so many different ways that I was just demoralized. Like, yeah. I was like, this is, just isn't fun. fun." And I had yeah. started getting injured, my shoulders started getting injured. and so that summer, I decided to drop the scholarship and commit full time to I also had a a nervous breakdown halfway through freshman year trying to do everything trying to do everything of course just curled up in my bed crying (laughs) my girlfriend was like are you okay i'm like you're gonna have to call my director because i'm not gonna make it to rehearsal because i was up every morning at 5 a.m wow playing from 5 to 8 class from 8 to noon back to training noon to 4 tennis weights whatever then dinner then rehearsals for whatever play project was and then i was back in bed by like 10 or 11 Wow. And then, so halfway through, I was just like, I lost my yeah. mind, and one of them had to go. And, yeah. and
0: well, obviously, you made the you made the it right worked, choice. It worked, but out. one of the fun facts about you, probably people don't know, is either you held the record for the fastest serve in yeah college, or what, what, was, yeah. what was the story there in
1: junior in juniors? There was one tournament where they would collect uh, information, and, and I was. Clocked at 155 miles uh-huh. an hour, and I think at the time was that were you in the Guinness Book? No, the but the at the time the fastest serve in the world was like 158 or 157, so it was a it was a junior record.
0: It was a junior record, yeah. So it's still in some book somewhere. Like, I don't know. Hey, yeah, I don't know if, <laughs> yeah, I don't know if they. <laughs> someone's probably beating it at this point. That's very cool. Yeah. So um, so we did this play Lombardi, which people anyone listening to this probably didn't. See, it was on Broadway. (laughs) It was kind of a semi-hit. I would say that was a bonafide hit. It was a bonafide hit. Like first, it's a play about football. Yeah,
1: none of us expected to be there more than two months. (laughs) Yeah, like we we knew it was a good play. We knew all the performances were great, but we're like, it's about football. Yeah, and we went
0: 14 months. Yeah, we went over a year. That's crazy. Yeah, it was also the year that the Packers won the Super Bowl. It was eight or nine. months I think it was nine months. Nine months. None and it was, the, it was the same year the packers as the underdog team they were a wild card team and they yeah. won the super bowl came back won the super bowl so it was a kind of like magical moment we were together for a long time and yeah. i got to, i got to watch you know you had a a small role that mm-hmm. you made the most of i mean you, yeah. you, you you electrified that role and uh so i was always like really impressed i was like this guy is just fucking special so i think i've told you this story but um there was a point i guess in january february we were all kind of like all right maybe it's time to fucking move on from the show yeah and they were casting peter and the star catchers right so right my agent tim Stone, was like hey bill there's a <laughs> <laughs> we're going for speed, speed on the star catches and i was like um tim like, stone tim stone is is
1: so i'll tarantino the story for a quick second <laughs> bill got me my first agent in new york but i want to tell you how because you might not know the story
0: tell me the story i went in for peter and Starcatchers, oh. and i was like tim i'm a terrible i can't say that's all right jack likes you go i'm doing i'm sounding australian all of a sudden tim stone I used, also, to to, I used to do tim t- stone tim well. stone all right
1: bill Daws, tim stone calling <laughs> and he he was this british like perfect agent like rolled <laughs> up sleeves Old unbuttoned school. shirt said his spoke his mind unfiltered Yes. Very little tact at times. Yes. Very
0: honest. An agent but, from yesteryear, as But it were.
1: a fantastic agent.
0: Came out of retirement. Went back into management. Oh, he did? Yeah. I didn't know that. He, he yeah. contacted me a couple times after that. Yeah. Um, so, I went in. I did the audition for Jack and all the producers. Peter and the Starcatchers, Dancing Pirates. Big, it's big a Peter Pan story. Broadway. Yeah. Uh, production. Yeah. And... Um, I walked out of that room like, oh, yeah, this is <laughs> And I called Tim. I go, he goes, how'd it go, Bill? And I go, I go, Tim, I'm not gonna get this. I go, you, I go, bring in Chris Sullivan for this part because I'd known when we talked about your sort of fascination with pirates at that point <laughs> <laughs> and you have pictures on your Facebook where you have like pirate stuff going on you just had a thing for pirates maybe you still do always always, always. pirates and it makes sense you know so Everybody you had this wants to be a pirate thing yeah. you have this incredible voice you're an incredible actor you're a fucking dude and I go I go Tim you gotta well, I don't know we can't just hit pocket and I go this is what I said I said Tim I promise you, he'll book it. I didn't know that. I did that. I said, Tim, I pr- I give you. I promise you, he's going to book it. Because in my head, I was like, it's New York theater. Yeah, yeah. Who are they going to get? <laughs> There's not a lot of six foot five bearded, bearded men running, manly running guys yeah. with deep voices yeah. who are, who can do all that shit. I was like, I promise you, he'll get it, Tim. All right. <laughs> and of course, you got offered the part. Yeah, he. Got, yeah, I got offered the part, and then. Couldn't do it <laughs> couldn't because
1: do it. Lombardi kept going. Lombardi kept going. <laughs> yeah. God damn it.
0: But it did come back because that guy did Hire You Again later. The director, I'm calling um, his name. Uh, uh, Alex. Didn't he hire you again after that?
1: No. I auditioned for him again. Okay. Um, oh, I, damn it. I, damn it. What's his name? He's a great director.
0: Yeah. Anyways. So, um, yeah. And then for you, it was just sort of like. But that's how I got my. Then they were like, well. I guess I guess we your the agents. First thing we yeah. you, I guess you we your agents. But I literally was like, and I'm not that guy. I'm not like Mr. Car. Like, hey, I got it. I was like, I promise you, dude. There's no way, and there's no world in which you weren't going in there. Oh man, don't get that. So, anyway, so you got that, and then Lombardi continued, and like all of a sudden, you know, the heat was on for you, and there was um, your next big thing after that was it was it was it the Mick? No, it was. Uh
1: so I kept auditioning around town while Lombardi, you know, the life of an actor is, is constantly looking ahead, right? Like when is this going to be over? Yeah. And what's the next thing? What's the next thing? What's the next thing? And so I kept auditioning around town and I did a couple of workshops here and there. And then the first thing I told Tim stone when I, when I went in for a meeting after that first audition, so, so is there any, any goals you have, any, anything you want to do? <laughs> and I said, well, I know that Chicago, the musical, has been running here for twenty uh, years. Yeah. And Mr. Cellophane has been my audition song for a decade. Oh, wow. So if they're looking, I'm ready. Yeah. Like I know the song inside and out, I know the role inside and out, I'm ready. And sure enough, like when did we when did Lombardi close? It was like May, it, maybe. May and so in March I went and auditioned for Chicago and got cast oh wow and they said you're gonna go in first week of June and so I I was like okay okay that gives me some time but what we didn't Lombardi?
0: know if, if Lombardi was gonna close then. and
1: we didn't and so I was like this close to to letting Lombardi know that I'm gonna leave the show and then we closed yeah. and i had and i had 3 weeks off between the end of lombardi oh, and wow. chicago the musical that's perfect timing it was it was chicago
0: out. you know and p- people do not know broadway so lombardi was a play in the basement of circle of square yeah. it's sort of on the small end of how broadway now chicago is one of the sort of like legacy theaters but is also like the workhorse of yes. broadway like it's it's a show that's been running
1: 20 years now Every dancer in New York has gone through that show at some point. Yeah. The thing that I kind of loved about it was it, it was like a... It's like the blue-collar job of yeah. Broadway. Like, the dancers come in, they punch <laughs> their cards. That at, at the end of the show, everyone punches oh, out I'm and sorry, goes home. a punch home. card for these old... Yeah. Right. And it's like... And everyone goes home. Because it's not it's not us going out every night because it's our you know we're on broadway we're in lombardi we're partying we're yeah. going to all the places we're having a good time we're just making new friends it's these these motherfuckers have been on broadway for 15 years yeah. they're tired yeah and it's a job yeah and they, they got to preserve their voice yeah they got to stretch and and so there was a very like i don't know like uh, uh, kind of work a day vibe to it that was a lot of fun yeah, 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 that's really cool. Yeah,
0: and then uh, so the b- back, next big thing for you was it was the Mick, right? Uh, the Nick, yeah. The Nick, yeah. I'm so stupid. No. the Mick was a, a, a NBC sitcom, I think. With uh, it, it was, was <laughs> chick <from> always sunny <laughs> that's Philadelphia. Right, that's that's right. Uh, <laughs> so the Nick, and again, you 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 had you played an Irish cop, and I, it was another
1: one of those things where it was like the role I'd been doing Irish accents since I was twelve. Yeah, you have
0: a real propensity for accents too. Is that just something that um, you? Was that bad? Is that just being I don't know. part of theater, Is is something you've always been drawn to? I don't know. I, I think,
1: I think part of it has to do with being um, musical, like yeah, music being a part. Like you can hear the, I can hear the notes in in an accent that are yeah. like, oh, and it goes up here and it comes down here, and they all kind of trail off, or or. But for most, for me, most accents, the most important part is is the words that you don't use an accent on. Ah, interesting. Give me like an example. My accents, like like, like for Irish, mm-hmm. you wouldn't really hear it until you hit a certain type of word. You know what yeah. I mean? Like there, there's a few words in there that, that, sound, that sound just like English. And then the Irish accent comes out. Yeah. But it was one of those things, yeah. that It was another role that I was just, I'm a giant Irish man. And I knew back in college that I, I'm a giant Irish man. I should probably... Get really good at an Irish accent,
0: at least that. (laughs) Yeah, at least that. Now you're Irish and Scottish too, because your wedding photos. I remember a kilt.
1: There's definitely a kilt. That's Uh, an Irish thing, right? Uh, not not particularly. Yeah, it's more Celtic. And I just wanted to wear a dress. Come on, women women shouldn't have all the fun. (laughs)
0: Exactly.
1: You you've worn a dress. I have worn a dress. You look good in a dress. I bet. I
0: don't think so, man.
1: Only really one care. way to find out.
0: I would love. I would love to wear. I would love to have a movie where it's like you wear a kilt. I'm like, fuck, I'm in. Yeah. Okay. Oh, care you look great just in a kilt. Carrying a spear, or whatever. You got. N- I
1: do know you have nice legs, and that's all that matters. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> nice calves is all you need <laughs> to, right. to work Yeah, That's right. Um. That's really cool. So. <laughs> so that was, and this is, you know, one of the things that people know about Hollywood. You know, so that the Nick did pretty well. Had some tension going in. Yeah. But the casting director for the Nick is the same casting director for This Is Us, right?
1: Uh, the same same casting director as Stranger Things.
0: Uh-huh. And yeah, and you did. Uh, and different different casting director for This Is Us. Oh, okay. But different yeah. cast director. But still like you get a casting director on your side in mm-hmm. this business and they just know, hey, this guy's special, this guy's talented, they will yeah. yeah. be on your side. Carmen Cuba. Yeah, she's you know, the the Nick
1: Is responsible for everything I got after it. Interesting. In one way or the other, like Stranger Things, those those two directors hired me because they saw the Nick and I think wanted to just ask me questions about Steven Soderbergh all day, (laughs) which I was more than happy (laughs) to
0: to uh, to answer. And of course, we did. So, were you in the pilot of Stranger Things? Yeah,
1: the very first episode. So you had no idea it was going to be the massive smash. I think it was was called Montauk at the time. Oh, that's right. It was called something else. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think it was supposed to take place. At the end of Long Island too. Yeah. Like in some fishing town. Yeah. Um, Atlanta was cheaper. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And then Guardians of the Galaxy 2 was because they... So that was before This Is Us. Yeah. Okay. So it went Stranger Things, This Is Us, Pilot, Guardians of the Galaxy, this is us gets picked up, yeah. But Guardians, they were having a hard time finding this actor, and James Gunn's assistant watched the Nick. Oh wow! And was like, "What about this guy?" Yeah. And This is Us too. The two uh, executive uh, producers and directors of a lot of episodes in the first season, um, John Requa and uh, and Glenn, uh, John and Glenn. <laughs> John, That's good enough. John Requa, Glenn Ficarra, um, who are the two writers and directors of Bad Santa. Oh yeah,
0: put, that, favorite, in your,
1: put that in my, your brain for a second. Yeah, the writers and directors of Bad That's Santa it. wrote This Is Us. Are the <laughs> executive producers <laughs> of This Is Us um, were fans of the Nick and brought me in to to read for Toby. Yeah. So like every the show, the Nick. Most people listening to this podcast have not seen it, sure, because it was on Cinemax. You know, mm-hmm. however many years ago, it was a weird, dark medical drama starring, it was befo- starring it was sort Clive of before Owen. Before streaming had sort of invaded right. everything, right? Yeah, it would it would have been huge in the streaming era, for um. sure. Um, uh, but it was but it was respected in our industry.
0: Yeah, there there are these certain shows that that people get on which I've never been on, which are like industry darling shows. Like girls yeah. is a perfect, like girls, right. anyone who was on girls in right. New York, just right. their career was catapulted because right. every, no one in the rest of the country watched it. Right. But New York, LA and the industry people, mm-hmm. the tastemakers, they all watch it. same yeah. thing with, with the Nick. Yeah. It was very like, so that's, that's a great, that's amazing. And so mm-hmm. this is us is obviously like man from heaven, right? It's just like, it's just, yeah, you know, it's one of those. Th- it, yeah. It's just, the, it's that, the weird thing that
1: happens, and and you know, I'm I'm number seven on the call sheet, always. Ironically, the Nick was number seven on the call sheet. This is us. I'm number seven on the call <laughs> sheet. Number. It's my number. Like, and it's that it's that pocket for a character actor, right? Yeah. Uh, you got your 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 top two leads. Then you got your three supporting leads. Yeah. Then you got the two actors who pop in and out and make the dick jokes. Um, <laughs>
0: And, it's a good place to be. So, on yeah. Guardians of the Galaxy, you're probably probably you know, like, 17? well, there's more, there's more there's leads more in that. Yeah. In there,
1: I think I was like 12 on that. Um, but it's the same, it kind of that slot serves the same function in the story. Yeah. No matter what type of story you're telling, it's like the, it's like, uh, it's in any musical. There's that same character who's, yeah. who's seventh, the seventh lead who pops in, has one song, can't really sing. Can sing enough, and and gets the fuck out. Um, but then you have the opportunity with your talent to steal the show. That that is that is the fun part. Yeah. Is that you've you're given enough to be dangerous, but you don't have to carry the damn thing. Yeah, and you don't have to uh, the the success. I mean, what we would we would love to have a project that lived or died by our performance, but. It's also nice to not have that kind
0: of, that type of pressure. Goddamn! Yeah, exactly. Now I kind of glossed over it, but so Guardians of the Galaxy. I met with everything you've done up until that point, even having booked the pilot. Now all of a sudden you're in the MCU, which is like the pinnacle of all things financially creative. Well,
1: yeah, you'd think you would think (laughs) you'd think you would think, but not not for anybody other than the leads. Than those guys, yeah. Because Marvel knows. That you want to be in their movie? Yes, that makes
0: sense. And, and you'll take what you get. You take what you get for sure. For sure. No, so, I have heard that before. Yeah. And your character unfortunately dies, so you can't yeah. be like, damn it, right, <laughs> right. Even
1: though, come on, with Prequels? the Infinity Stones, yeah. everyone comes back to life. That's
0: true. Did you ever pitch that to James? Oh, I Gunn? pitch it all
1: the time. <laughs> Every time I see him, I'm like, you know, you know, in the comics. Taserface has a mechanical arm and a mechanical leg and it's a gun arm and he was in an explosion at the end of your movie so if he came back with a gun arm it would line right up with the comics he's not having any of it he's not (laughs) he's not he's not listening to any of it but it was it was an incredible like experience to get into that type of makeup and be around those people and i mostly worked with michael rooker who's like the waylon jennings of hollywood of <laughs> he's like he's like an outlaw <laughs> he's, he's my favorite type of uh looney Tune because yeah. i'm i feel like i'm in the same realm but he's he's a genuine
0: uh character yeah you know? i think when i remember watching galaxy god i didn't know that you were in it and i remember going like and then i was like wait there's um. something about <laughs> the way his mouth is moving i seem to recognize <laughs> yeah, that one yeah, point yeah was, oh, you wouldn't recognize me selling. but there are definitely people like is that Chris Sullivan doing a stupid voice? <laughs> oh, it was a great part. You fucking, you fucking killed it. So on the other aspects of your life, a married man. Yeah. You've always been an advocate for marriage. Yeah. And, and that type of commitment, which I always blanched at. <laughs> you gave me a book early on because I was going through a focaccia relationship. That was called... Which book did I give you? God damn it. It was like... The, I can the, tell the, you... The Path all, of the Righteous Man or... The Way of the Superior Man. Yes, The Way of the Superior Man.
1: The title... Hold on. Let me... The, the title <laughs> The title makes it sound like men are superior, but it's more about being the superior version of yourself. Yes. You yes. Know? And I think at the time I was like, what is he saying? But, you know, I ended up reading it and it was, you know, <laughs> I was like...
2: <laughs> I
1: also thought I had it all figured out and absolutely did not. And... And have had to put a lot of effort and work into actually becoming the best version of myself and that part getting sober was part of that you know
0: yeah for sure being the best husband being a
1: good father being all of those things
0: it's so admirable that there's so many people in our business more than any other business where you feel rewarded by being a man child there's sure. something about sure, abdicating sure. responsibility and abdicating, like I don't want to be like these Republicans who grow up. <laughs> yeah, I'm a liberal free yeah. spirit. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it is. It yeah. is an industry replete with people who really don't want to grow up, and they they take some sort of faux nobility in that. Well, and I you were a guy who's like, yeah, man, I'm married. I'm in my. I'm like 30. I'm married. I'm going to like hold on to the fort and be a good man. And of of course it's work, but you, unlike. 99% of the people you put in the work
1: yeah the, and the work is hard you know we had our we've had our ups and downs over the last 10 years now it's 10 years um, but the I think the thing that's a, that why our industry is filled with that type of person is the need to perform the need for for uh, approval for validation we all everyone needs it, for sure. All people need it in one way or the other. And I think a lot of people in our industry have arrived here because of a deficit in that in that I know I have arrived here because of a deficit in my life about the way I felt about myself trying to garner some kind of confidence by behaving confidently. Makes sense. You know what I mean? Like have you reverse engineered that back to something in your life? Yes. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, I mean, it's a series of things. It's, it's a series of traumas, childhood traumas and, and bumps in the road that have been worked through in therapy, that continue to get worked through in therapy, um, couples therapy, individual therapy, trauma therapy, things like that. Um, and it's like, now, now I'm the man that I was always pretending to be. Does that make sense? Like, like that—that confidence that I was trying to achieve by behaving confidently, I now actually have. Yeah, I actually have, and it—and it makes me much more peaceful and much more. My energies are much more focused. Yeah,
0: and grounded. So, that—that feels really good. Yeah, Yeah. it's funny because you mentioned peaceful when you're starting off in this business. Like, you don't want to be peaceful. Mm-mm. Peaceful seems like giving up or peaceful seems like, but right. then you get older, you're kind of like, oh, right. this is great. Right, right, right. <laughs> well, we have that that, that idea
1: about being an, a tortured artist, right? Yeah. And that you have to be in pain to be an artist. And I've, I just realized that I can, I, my pain is my pain. It will always be there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the The level with which I address it, ...allows me some kind of peace in my actual life. For sure. I can still access all those other things. Exactly. All that cynicism, anger, rage, sarcasm, all those things that we need to be biting performers... ...and still have this
0: actual life that that feels grounded. I think one of the things that actors feel is if they become peaceful and they work out their issues... They right. won't be able to act. Right. right but it's right, the opposite right. is true. Right. Cause the more right. you're always going to have that there, you always have access to it. Right. But at least you can separate yourself from it and right. witness it while you're doing right. it. Right. And I feel like I have better
1: access to it now than I ever have because I've studied it. Yeah. I've like analyzed it. I know, my, I know how to get to it. I know how to feel it. I know how to not all the time. Sometimes. Yeah. Uh, I, I fail frequently. Um, but yeah, I, I, I have, I have, I, I feel like I'm a much more connected artist now for sure than I was when I was flailing around in chaos, <laughs> you know, trying to, <laughs> trying to drink my way through. That was me <laughs> when pain. we met
0: too, for sure. Yeah. Um, and, and you also had a child. Mm hmm. Named Bear, named Bear, who's three feet tall, aged six months at the yeah, end. <laughs> yeah,
1: three and a half feet. It's too tall. Something's wrong. We got to get his thyroid checked. It's uh, he, he's he's a very tall baby, uh, but I am a tall fellow myself. Um, yeah, he arrived July twenty eighth. So the the pandemic and the and the quarantine and everything has been colored mm. in a really hopeful way for Rachel and I because yeah, we spent the whole time just being with each other and her being pregnant and getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And then he arrives and the show was postponed a couple of months. So we just had a couple of months to just sit at home with each other and just gaze
0: at one yeah. another. <laughs> and, and it's been, it's been incredible. Is there something that you learned about Rachel during the process of her being pregnant? Because that is such a, I mean, yeah, until you're in it, you don't know, but it's like yeah. such a, such a crazy thing to witness happening yeah and some people take it very well some people yeah. don't some people I mean obviously the emotions you always hear yeah the weird cravings for things sure but is there something about her that you discovered from that process the quarantine and the pregnancy I, I just she she came into focus for me
1: you know as a person and I just had never quite realized that she was always meant to be a mother interesting yeah and it started to come out and you're just like oh wow and and she just dropped into that that part of herself that was that was surprising not because it wasn't always there but because i wasn't paying attention sure you know what i mean and processing all of those those urges to for me to remain number one to still get all the attention and affection that I need to feel like a a happy boy. Yeah. You know, to, uh, to feel like I'm helping like all of these ego driven kind of selfish, self-centered character defect related issues that would come up and boil up. And, and it was all just fear and anxiety and, um, lack of lack of confidence. Um, but we both had we both had things like that so it was really interesting to to, as they came up talk about them like point them out and be like wow this is what's happening right now I'm really sorry Uh, I am afraid that you're going to love this baby more than you love me wow and Rachel can put her hand on my shoulder and say I am (laughs) and it's okay And (laughs) and we can laugh about it and and there's there's something you know you you talk about fears like that and they kind of evaporate yeah they just kind of evaporate out of existence when you share it when you share them and so yeah there's been a, it's been a huge step forward in our relationship
0: did you get to be because of covid did you you got to be in the delivery room yeah and the whole thing yeah and you witnessed the baby i got to deliver the baby you deliver the baby yeah do you need a, like a thing for that uh, you, uh, <laughs> quick <do you> registration <laughs> yeah um, as a test
1: no the, our, our doctor i was standing at rachel's side and our doctor was like here you know you know in the hot seat." Uh, between Rachel's <laughs> legs. And she goes, Chris, come come, sit here. And she stood up off her stool and sat me down. D- you had no idea that was going to happen? No. And she goes, put one hand here and put the other hand right here. And she was standing right next to me and, you know, Bear started to crown and you could see just a little bit of his head and she goes, put your finger right there. He goes, eh, you're the first one to touch your, your son. Oh my God. And then, like... Two and a half minutes later, he was born. And were you just like a mess? Yeah. Just weeping? Yeah. Yeah. We have it all on video. Oh my god. And it's just like I'm just, <laughs> <laughs> the doctor had to like, take the baby from me because I was like,
2: <laughs> get the fuck away. Yeah.
1: <laughs> Did you cut the cord too? Yeah. Oh wow. Yeah. Yeah. It was it was it was amazing, man. It's um to witness that everyone says it. You know, everyone says it and you you're like I know. I hear you. Everyone said it. I, I know. Yeah, I get I know, it. But I get you it. don't know, motherfucker, yeah. until you're in the room. Yeah. And it's, and it's...
0: Yeah. It's something else. Yeah. And when you put up Instagram posts, you said that having a kid was a puzzle piece that was always missing. Yeah. That I didn't know that, that you know it was is. missing.
1: It, it kind of... You know those scenes in movies where some kind of machine blows into a thousand parts and the camera in slow motion, like rotates around it and then it all slams back together. Yeah. I am that machine and I am still floating out in space in a thousand parts because this, this little boy has shattered anything that I thought I knew, anything that I thought I, I believed, about myself about the world about god about whatever it is and i'm still waiting to like slam back together uh um, wow so it's it's a it's crazy do you ever talk about your your daughter on here
0: i do yeah yeah, yeah. but you know i wasn't around f- i found out when she was two so i wasn't around for for that i was right. at the very tail end of diapers when i she's a little younger than two I was at the tail how old end is of diapers. she now she's 20 wow uh, about to turn Yeah so wow. uh, Yeah she's great She's at Berkeley Oh very cool She is uh, She is I can't say lesbian Because apparently that's Passé She is sexually fluid Hey how about with a that With preference for women Alright And it took her a long time To tell me that And I always felt I always felt bad I'm like Do I come across like a caveman piece of shit that you think I'm not going to be like okay with it? Like I literally saw an Instagram post where she and this girl they were just like close, yeah. They were kissing, but it's just a picture. You can see you're like uh, the special friends. There, yeah, yeah. Well, I'm glad she was able to talk to you about it. Yeah. So now it's cool, but I always kind of have to remind her like. I know I'm not the alternative comic that you like. I know I'm not John Mulaney, <laughs> but I'm still like, I'm moving forward. I'm trying to evolve. She's, she's great. She's amazing. She's hilarious. Isn't it? it it's quite, it's quite interesting these days to, um,
1: to learn all of these new things. Yeah. yeah. And it's interesting to, yeah, just to understand, like to really understand what it means to be, transgender or what it what it what it and not that I could ever understand but like to try to educate
0: myself I, sure. I just never knew how much I didn't know oh my god yeah and I'm always yeah my my daughter's best friend Izzy is transgender and is referred to as they uh-huh which is great but I fuck it up sometimes sure you and know?
1: And, and most of it comes from me not fully comprehending the uh, the for lack of a better word label, yeah. And I still have a lot of educating myself to do on those things because it's yeah. like once we once you learn something and you learn why it is the way it is and how it feels, then it's yeah easy. But that's
0: that's interesting. Yeah. At one point during Christmas, my dad, my dad, old school Republican, Trump supporter, but great heart. Uh you know, Olivia, I'm trying to understand everything. You know, the transsexual thing. It's transgender, Grandpa. God. <laughs> Olivia. Don't get mad at this old fuck. He's, he's, he's trying. trying. He's trying. Give him some credit. So I do want to talk about the music now, because you have an, yeah. uh, an album that comes out. This is We're doing this on on Friday. Yeah, it came out uh, so on the 19th. The 19th. On November 19th. So Joseph it's out the, now. Joseph the Spouse. So what's the, the title, Joseph the Spouse? Yeah, Where did so that come from?
1: That's the character, Joseph the Spouse. We We went back and forth about whether or not to release music under my name or under a band name, or I don't really have a band.
0: Yeah. But it didn't, I don't know. You just didn't want to be like Chris Sullivan, untitled, here's my face. Yeah, a symbol, right?
1: Yeah. Artist formerly known as <laughs> uh, Sully. Um, and we were going back and forth, and I guess a couple years ago, two Easter's ago, I wound up at a Catholic Easter mass. And I'm not Catholic, but my sister-in-law is. And they started rattling off saints, all the ones you knew, you know, St. Ignatius of Loyola, whatever the, uh, you know, St. Francis of Assisi, all of these saints, and all of a sudden, they started getting into saints that you didn't think were, uh, George the dentist, whatever, <laughs> like the, whatever the, the more uh, uh, esoteric saints are that nobody's ever heard of. Yeah. And then, and then they said, Joseph the spouse, and I was like, what? I was like, somebody is a saint? <laughs> the spouse? Yeah. And I looked it up, and it's Joseph of the Jesus and Mary story. Oh. And he was sainted. He was given a sainthood by the Catholic Church. And I started just thinking about that. And I was like, but he didn't, he didn't do anything.
0: Yeah, he didn't get her pregnant.
1: No. And, and saints have to, have, to, have to do miracles. They have to do all these things. Martim. Yeah. And, and I was like, Joseph, the spouse, um, known for, for being a witness to this miracle, and I guess I kind of feel that's how I feel definitely about music. And I guess it also with like theater, any film or television, it's a, it's a miracle that it happens, but some, there's something about music and there's something about like, there's this guitar sitting here and right now it just does nothing. Yeah. But if I put my fingers in a certain way and hit it, it does something and it's like something out of nothing and you write a song and you get a bunch of musicians together and you think you know what this song is and then a bunch of musicians play it and it becomes something else and you're like, this thing's changing right before my eyes and I'm a part of it. Yeah. And it feels like miracle work. It feels like you're like I'm witnessing a miracle. And so the name just kind of stuck. I, yeah. I ran it by my producer partner and he's like, yeah, it's kind of cool. kind of has a nice ring to it. And so I'm performing under Joseph the Spouse and the record's called Six Feet From Under uh-huh. And uh it's just a, it's a group of songs written over the last 2 years about the fact that all of this time here is finite and what are we going to do with it? Yeah. How are we going to spend it?
0: Yeah. Well, we are uh I think we can we play a song or two? Yeah. yeah. Um before we do, I do want to ask like with everything that you do, obviously theater, music, TV, film, um if someone had a gun to your head, some evil son of a bitch, yeah, and said you got to choose, yeah, and I know that's maybe kind of like a packed question, but do you th- do you think like if I just had to kind of go down one lane, and luckily we're not in a world where we yeah. have to do that, but what would it be like? Theater, it would be theater, yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: I'd move back to Chicago, start a theater company, not just do theater. Yeah. That's what I was doing before, you know, before moving to New York, yeah, and. I owned a condo, and I was doing four shows a year in, in you know, 800 to 2,000-seat theaters. Um, there's something about that town. You know, if there's any young actors listening, go to Chicago. Learn your craft. Do some theater in a town that has plenty of it and is an affordable town to live in. Yeah. You know, I was living by myself in a studio apartment for six hundred fifty bucks a month, um, and the way that that theater theater in Chicago also is, it's it's an ensemble town. Like there are no stars. Yeah. Like once in a while, a famous person will come to town and do a show at Steppenwolf or something like that. But it's it's a an ensemble group of actors that are also very blue collar and very hardworking and because all the theaters there operate on the same seasonal schedule Mm -hmm. i know like my buddy eric hellman he's got his shows booked two years in advance because all the shows stay in their slots yeah and you can go one to the next to the next to the next to the next and there are just there's a huge group of actors there who are making a living who who own homes who whose kids go to private school who like and they do theater yeah and then and then you you supplement with commercial voiceover all those things mm-hmm. um, but yeah theater in it doesn't get much better than theater in Chicago it's a, it's a great place wow I've never done it but I would love to I mean they're, they're a
0: great town for comedy that's oh, for sure man. you would you would slide right into the theater community in Chicago well, I don't know if I'm going to stick around in LA much longer so, so.
2: <laughs> well,
1: well I mean that, but that's you know choosing theater right now I mean when are we going to get back into a theater Jesus I know yeah when are we going to get a group of people to sit, you know, shoulder to shoulder, oh, up Broadway, and, and watch, a, watch a watch a play by an old dead white
0: guy? <laughs> I know It's pretty intense man. I think about I think about that a lot. That might be my last time having done theater. We'll see. Yeah, it's nuts. Um, but I'm real excited. To, uh, you're going to play acoustically. We're going to we're going to take a little pause. Yeah.
2: And just like that, you've had enough So you're packing up your stuff You said that this idea was dead You have a new thought in your head I heard it's handsome, tall and dark I know you've given it your heart See you are spinning in your sleep secrets you were meant to keep Cause every time I think about it it feels like a joke with a punchline I don't understand So the next time you see me please don't be surprised if I'm laughing As hard as I can The subtle looks, the quiet drives The smaller moments of our lives When I think about what brought us close It's times like those I miss the most And when a memory's not clear just tells us what we want to hear And when I thought we shared a laugh You weren't laughing with, but laughing at Cause every time I think about it It feels like a joke with a punchline I don't understand So the next time you see me, please don't be surprised. I'm laughing as hard as I can. Wishing you the best Means that I end up with less Than all I have to say I hope that you end up okay Cause every time I think about it It feels like a joke With a punchline I don't understand So the next time you see me Please don't be surprised If I'm laughing as hard as I can If I'm laughing as hard as I can